0: We are in the Gospel of John this morning, and this is a part of our series this summer out of the book written by Mark Laberton, president of Fuller Theological Seminary. The book is titled called uh, The Crisis and Promise of Following Jesus Today. So the topic today is really what it means to be the church. What is our calling? So Jesus has some things to say. In a very powerful chapter, John 17, we're not gonna read the whole chapter, just select verses in it, but talking about exactly what is a part of our witness, what are we called to demonstrate and participate in as the church. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into John 17. Let's pray. Jesus, we wanna hear you. We wanna hear you praying, We want to hear you and your answer to your prayer. We want to hear you and your call for us, your people, your church, this church, Trinity, today. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, come among us, move among us, and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John 17, first three verses, then verse 11, and then verses 20 through 24. Listen to God's word to you. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Moving to verse 11, and now Jesus prayed, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given to me so that they may be one as we are one I in them, and you and me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. This is the gift of God's word. That's a powerful word, that the witness of the church, the good news that we share, is that we are becoming one, completely one. Doesn't that seem like unbelievably far away from our current reality? This is the last year I had the opportunity to hear the astronaut Scott Kelly. He was speaking in San Mateo and uh, He was actually the commander of the International Space Station in 2016 or so. He was up in space for 340 days. And the stories he told were fascinating, as you can imagine, but the one that I liked best was about a phone call he got from one of his family members. He got notification that one of his family members was trying to reach him, which was unusual. So he made a point of getting to a private space and was on his computer to receive this phone call. What turned out it was from his 21-year-old daughter, She was house-sitting, and she was calling him because she was lonely. He could not believe what she was telling him. He said, I'm up here in outer space, and you are calling me to tell me that you are lonely? There are seven billion people out there. Go outside and find one of them. But it doesn't quite work like that, does it? You can be with seven billion people on planet Earth. You can be in this sanctuary right now. You can be at school with hundreds of people. You can be in your workplace with all kinds of colleagues and professionals and be very alone. Right? You can be in your own home with your family. You can be in a marriage and be very, very alone. In the book called, Mark writes this, one of the ironies of an increasingly urbanized world <clears throat> and a global population of more than 7 billion, it's that people commonly experience life alone. And yet the good news of the church is that we proclaim a different reality And we hear it in Jesus' prayer when he says, The glory, O God, that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one, so that, which is the declaration of purpose, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The beloved community, so central to our witness as a church, is the heart of our good news. It is a oneness that is the very nature of God, and it's the oneness that is what God is up to in the world. And if we want to know God, we need to know this oneness. Our oneness in Jesus Christ is greater than every single thing that divides us. That's amazing good news. Father Gregory Boyle puts it this way. He says our separateness is an illusion. And for Jesus, the the self that needs to die is the one that wants to be separate. So this is the church's witness, is to this oneness that we have in Jesus Christ But it sounds impossible for the church to give evidence to this witness, doesn't it? I think it does. As we look at what's going on around us um, in our day, 2018, to be completely one in our world, including in the church, that just seems absolutely impossible. It is like swimming upstream, right? Salmon, swimming upstream. And I want to just mention Together. I want us to be mindful together of the torrent of what is working against that that is around us. And I want to mention uh, at the beginning, even culturally, our strengths in this country haven't been communal. Our strengths and our characteristics as a country have been more around rugged individualism and independence. It was interesting talking to Phyllis Paget yesterday, and she loved visiting Tonga, where her caregiver, Molly, is from. And she said, I just couldn't believe how they welcomed me. And when we went into the community and I said, where are the homeless? Molly said, we don't have homeless. We just take them in. They're just a part of us. That's not necessarily what America is known for in terms of communal, maybe Latino cultures or other cultures, but that's not our strength as a culture. It's interesting to hear Dave Gormley talk about moving from Michigan uh, to the West Coast, and what he noticed were the fences. In Michigan, we don't have fences, he said. And there is this torrent or this movement or trending toward what defines and separates us. I'm mindful of Robert Frost's poem, Mending Wall, where he starts out saying something there is that doesn't love a wall. And yet the poem ends with this insistence in our culture that good fences make good neighbors, right? The torrent is moving against us and against that oneness and against our own confidence that that even is the reality that is ours in Jesus Christ. There's a book written years ago, Bowling Alone, by Robert Putnam. And in his research, I'm going to quote again from Mark's book, Putnam shows that over the last 25 years, attendance at club meetings has dropped 58 percent, family dinners have dropped 43 percent, and having friends over has dropped by 35 percent. And that book was written over 10 years ago. So the torrent is moving even more in that direction, right? And then, of course, we love to have this conversation about what cell phones are doing in terms of that direction moving against our togetherness and more isolating us. In our small group, we were talking, we all told cell phone stories. And one of the stories that one person shared was how he loves to jog, and usually jogging in the park, he would come across other joggers, and they would have conversations, and he says, now pretty much they're on their phones or their iPods or whatever, there's earbuds in their ears, and conversations just aren't happening anymore. And we can all tell those stories, right? The torrent keeps moving in that direction. There are so many things that divide us, so many things that are moving us more and more into separate camps. I have some neighbors that, uh, a couple, they have two French bulldogs. They call them their fur babies. And uh, I was having a conversation with her. She had just gone to the dog park, and she was talking about how her dogs, the Frenchies, are notorious for the way they play, which is they play more rough. They, and she said, anybody that knows Frenchies knows that. Well, she was in the smaller section of the dog park, and all the other people in the dog park didn't seem to know that. And we're not real happy about the way her dogs were playing with one another and were complaining to her over and over again as they had their more protected, more pristine, more very zen dogs. And so she uh, just... Her bottom line was, you know, I'm just going to go with the Frenchie Club, and we're just going, they have a Frenchie Club, where they get together with their Bulldogs, and basically just hang out there. And I thought, what a picture of our world. More and more just wanting to go to our separate places where we feel understood, where we feel safe, where we feel like we can do things the way we want to do them, and have the conversations we want to have whether it is politically or whether it is around race or whether it's around language or whether it's around faith or whether it's around cultures or socio-economic divisions, more and more, I'm basically going to hang out with the people who are like me. Mother Teresa talked about this trending and this torrent when she commented that she found the poverty of the West Worse than the poverty of India. Why? In quote, we have forgotten that we belong to each other. We have forgotten what God has created and has healed in Jesus Christ. But friends, there is good news. And we carry that good news. That our oneness in Jesus Christ is greater than everything that divides us. It's good news because it doesn't come from us in our agreements. It comes from who God is. God's oneness, Jesus in God, God in Jesus, the Spirit, all are one. It's a oneness that Jesus heals. He not only prays this prayer, he answers the prayer, right? In his death and resurrection, we are told all the walls that divide us have been brought down. And a new humanity has been created. In his resurrection. So everything that divided us, now we are one in what he has accomplished in his death and resurrection. So that Paul could declare at the end of chapter 3 in Galatians, this amazing truth that the worst things that divide us, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, the worst thing they could think of that divided them, slave or free, male or female, there's no longer these divisions. What's he say? All are one in Jesus Christ. Our oneness, greater than everything that divides us. Someone was saying to me, I sure hope this is true. It's like, yes, this is our good news. This is true. It is true. It is the church's message and proclamation that gives witness to the God who is one and what God has done in Jesus Christ. I think it's easy for us to get overwhelmed by this message entrusted to us because it's like, how in the world? I mean, not only what you see going on in the world, but look at what's going on in the church, right? A lot of division. A lot of church splits. If you were going to ask a lot of people in our world today to comment on the church, they'd probably be commenting on the divisions, right? The denominations, the issues that divide us, even in the church. But there is, in my mind, something that we can focus on that I think makes this accessible. And I want to refer to something that Paul writes in Ephesians 4 when he's begging the church to live up to their calling. He talks a lot about oneness, talks a lot about unity, and he writes this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Once again, you have an image here of a body, one body, a new humanity in Jesus Christ. We, the church, are called to grow up into that. But I want to lift out one word in here that I find encouraging, and that is ligament. Do you know what a ligament is? I don't really know what a ligament is either, <laughs> except when it's hurt and I can't function anymore. But it connects, things. It connects parts of your body, right? And they're hidden, Right? You don't see them. They're these little things. But we have been equipped to be ligaments. And there are ways that we can be doing this work of being the ligament. We're not the whole healing. That's Jesus' job. But we are living into the vision, living into the reality by being what we've been equipped to be, which is to be a ligament. What does that look like? I'm going to point out some really simple ways. You're here in worship right now. When I drove here, I drove past baseball fields full of people, and I drove past restaurants, people going out, and then, of course, there's people in their homes sleeping in. That's where you could be, but you're here. That's a ligament of connection that you're leaning into that's helping us be the church. The new members standing in front of you just made a commitment to this body to Jesus Christ, and also to be a part of this community. That's leaning in. They don't have to do that, but they did that because they realize by God's grace, it's leaning into the ligament that connects us and actually encourages us in this calling that we have. I think there's a variety of ways that we can move across the illusion of the divides, the illusion of separateness, and I'm gonna name just a few that may be somewhat small, but important. One of our members, Nick Lum, actually created an app. This app is called Read Across the Aisle. And in this app, there is the opportunity, right here you see, this is the media bias chart, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it shows you kind of where the the media that informs us and gives us our news skews in terms of skewing one way or, or another way. And so he created this app, and this is the descriptor, not going to look for it. You can read news from a variety of sources, and the gauge below will show you how well you're doing at reading across the aisle. Isn't that awesome? So, I actually put it on my phone, and really being more mindful, that's a ligament. That's a ligament living into our oneness that Jesus Christ has accomplished that's greater than everything that divides us, I was overhearing a conversation a friend of mine had had with another, she's a pastor, and she was talking with an Episcopal priest, and she was saying out loud to this person, I'm just so tortured uh, over what's going on in our country, and I'm just not sure what is mine to do. And she said, the Episcopal priest said, I'm just trying to have loving conversations. I'm just trying to have loving conversations. That's a ligament, isn't it? that's what we're equipped to do, called to do, as the body of Christ. Father Gregory Boyle, at the very end of his book, Barking to the Choir, he tells a story that I want to tell to you. He was a graduate of Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. And that university required the incoming freshman to read his first book, which is called Tattoos on the Heart, and it tells stories about his work among gang members down in Southern California, gang intervention, uh, and and the starting of this program called Homeboy Industries. And every time he's invited to speak, which they invited him to speak, um, by the way, we're trying to get Gregory Boyle here someday too, he likes to take what he calls his homies, two of his homies with him, and preferably people who have never been on a plane before. So he's invited to go to Gonzaga, and he invites two of the homies to go with him, one named Bobby, who was an African-American gang member who worked in the bakery, and the other, Mario, who worked in the retail store, and he described him as one of the most tattooed of any of the trainees, and he said, that's saying a lot in homeboy industry. So the face was covered, and only the eyes and the mouth showing it's really pretty fun to read the story about them in the airport and how people were looking at these different homies. Um, But he said that when he goes to speak, and he did this in Gonzaga, he asked them to tell their story, which is really hard for them to do. And these stories are filled with violence and abandonment and torture and abuse of every kind. And he says if their stories had been flames, you'd have to Keep a distance or else you'd be scorched. Well, it was really hard for them to choke out their stories, but then at the end of the presentation, he opened it up for a QA, and a and there was a woman in the front row who stood up, and she said, my question is for Mario. She said, you say that you're a father, and your son and daughter are starting to reach their teenage years. I'm wondering, what wisdom do you impart to them? I mean, what advice do you give them? Mario started trembling. He was just in pain even thinking about this. Um, He choked out, I just, and then he just stopped. And then he went on and he said, I just don't want my kids to turn out to be like me. And he's sobbing as he says this. There's just silence in this auditorium with a thousand people in it. And then the woman stands back up and she said, Why wouldn't you want your kids to turn out to be like you? You are gentle. You are kind. You are wise. I hope your children turn out to be like you. Everybody in that auditorium stood up and clapped for a very, very long time as this man just put his head in his hands and just sobbed. Across the divide, Leaning across the things that divide us so hopelessly, gang member from non-gang member, all the divisions you can imagine, leaning in and listening and loving and affirming. Those are ligaments. Those are ligaments with which God has equipped us. Our oneness in Jesus Christ is greater than every Thing that divides us that's amazing good news it's what Gregory Boyle calls a vision defined in Habakkuk 2 or mentioned in Habakkuk 2 that awaits its time if it seems slow wait for it it will surely come and meanwhile we live as the ligaments that God in Christ has created us to be as his body the church Let's pray. Jesus, in all honesty, we are tortured too by the things that divide us. We are tortured by all the things that put our heads in our hands and cause us to sob with despair. And yet, you have called us to lift up our heads to proclaim. To a world impossibly divided, overwhelmingly lonely, that you are the God who has come to us in Jesus Christ and broken down every wall. You have created in yourself, journeying into all of our separateness, all of our abandonment, all of our God-forsakenness and raised us up to be a new creation. So, God, fill us with encouragement this morning to notice the opportunities you're giving to us to be a ligament, to live out our calling as your church together. So take away the discouragement and fill us with hope. Fill us with vision. Fill us with an awareness not only of your prayer, but the answer to your prayer that you've accomplished in walking the way of death and new life and new creation for us. We pray this prayer. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.